that's good. Take your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. This is not a Christmas message, but I just wanted to say this. I like Christmas time. I just do. And uh, I don't know if it's my imagination, uh, but it looks to me like there's more homes that are putting lights up this year. They don't, am I right on that? I'm not the only one who observed it. Okay. I was just wondering if I was maybe just a little kooky or what. Well, I already know that, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I like the lights. I like all that, all that kind of stuff. But I'm really, really, really looking forward to our, uh, our concert next week. Uh, we got a lot of music. Uh, we've, there's going to be some stories uh, sprinkled in there. I ask you to pray for me as I put the message together. That to me is, is always a very, very important message. And uh, I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to essentially preach a Christmas carol. And I'm uh, going to take a, take a carol. You know, what's, what's a blessing to me about the songs that are in our songbook? They are doctrinally, biblically based. Isn't that a blessing? You know, the, the, a lot of the stuff that's out, out today is just uh, emotional slop. And, uh, and I'm not saying there's any emotion in, the, in these songs, because there certainly are. There have been times I've watched. I've watched you guys, and I've seen what you've done during a song service. You'll have, you'll have tears in your eyes. I, I have too, uh, you know, but, but they're not first and foremost emotional. They're first and foremost. They're doctrinal. They're solid. And uh, you could, you know, I've never thought of, of doing that before. The Lord just laid it on my heart. Hey, you could preach. Um, Hark the herald angels sing. We're going to correct their doctrine right off the bat with the singing angels, okay? And, uh, and the original words of that song were not Hark the herald angels sing. It was George Whitfield who changed those words. And uh, so, and I've, I've done a little study on that and, and seen what the, what the case is. So it'll be interesting. Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's all stand together. Jeremiah ten, chapter 10, just one verse, and we'll use this as a jump off verse to get right into the message. Verse, verse 23 says, O Lord, Jeremiah is speaking. He says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that uh, you would direct our steps and that you would direct our thinking and you would direct our thoughts right now uh, to your word. Father, we are, we are living in a time like I've never been in before. And uh, it, it just seems like every time we turn the corner, there's something new around the corner. Uh, one thing for sure is we're certainly not getting bored, but sometimes we get a little frustrated. And sometimes, uh, Father, uh, it affects particularly our decision-making. And I pray, Lord, that you might help us with that this morning from your word. We ask, God, that you would speak to hearts and that you would give us clearness of, uh, of heart, clearness of thought, so that we can ponder uh, your word this morning. We pray for, for those that may either be here in the service this morning or watching online that have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. What, what an absolute tragedy to go through Christmas season when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and, uh, and reject 
and not accept fully by faith and trust the Lord Jesus Christ and what, what he did, the whole reason why he came and why he was born was so that he might die on a cross for our sins and pay the full price. God, we just pray that you would be in this service, be lifted up and honored and glorified in all things. Please speak to our hearts, lead us and, and guide us as we, as we look at your word together. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. That verse is a, is a telling verse. It says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. In other words, you can't figure out where you're supposed to go. You don't even know where you're going half the time. And it says, it is not, not in man that walketh to direct his steps. In other words, if we go our own way, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be trouble. There is a way, book of Proverbs says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The uh, name of this message, and this is a two-parter, and first part's uh, this morning, second part will be tonight. But uh, it, I've entitled it Decision Making in, in Troublesome Times. Um, I, I, I see and hear a lot of decisions that are being made, not, and not by, well, I'm seeing it by lost people, obviously, and, and a, a lot of decisions that are being made out there are nonsensical. They, they're not, you know, some of the very people that are saying, uh, we need to rely on science, are not being fi very scientific in a lot of their decisions. And, uh, and passing down the rules and regs and consistencies and all that kind of stuff. But it behooves us as safe people to, to uh, during times when things are in a turmoil, to understand that there's a proper way and an improper way to, to make decisions. And we're going to look at, 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 at uh, some, some things that will help us uh, make the right decisions so that our lives can honor the Lord. Uh, we need help when it comes to decisions in life because it doesn't lie in us. Now, this is an Old Testament passage. Uh, they did not have the Holy Spirit on a consistent, continual basis living inside them like we do. We do have the Spirit of God if you're saved. The Spirit of God lives in you. Your body is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in that regard, you do have in you, but it's not you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ in you and the person of the Spirit of God. And the reason why the subject is so important is because bad decisions, even the small ones, can really have many repercussions. I've, I've watched over the years, and I've watched bad decisions ruin friendships and finances and, 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 and jobs and homes and churches and just one thing after another. You look in, in Scripture, uh, Abraham was called to leave his homeland and follow God. And he did. He followed the Lord. He went exactly where he told him to go until a famine hit. When the famine hit, he did not wait for God at all. He looked and saw that, that there was food in Egypt and that they were doing okay. So without getting God's direction, he just went ahead and went down into Egypt. And uh, uh, you know that was not the right decision to make. Um, Elijah, we looked at last week, he, um, Elijah... Uh, defeated 450 prophets of Baal, gets a letter, a note from Jezebel saying she's going to kill him, have him killed. And uh, he immediately takes off and goes somewhere. 
God didn't tell him to go there, and that's why later on he says, well, what doest thou here, Elijah? Uh, he, he was not in the right place, but it's because during a time of pressure, he made, he made an incorrect decision. Um, you look at Saul. In uh, uh, the book of uh, 1 Samuel, he was getting ready to battle against the Philistines, and Samuel was supposed to show up. He was, he was a little late coming, and so what Saul did was, he says, okay, well, he's not here. We need to go into battle. Uh, I'm not going to wait for the prophet. I'm going to give the sacrifice. I'm going to give the offering. Well, that wasn't his position. That wasn't his place, and that was the beginning of the end. Just that one decision, that one thing that he did. Uh, you, look at, you look at Moses. Moses buckled under the pressure that he was under by the people, and God told him, this time you hit, you go to the rock, you don't hit it because that rock was a type or a picture of Jesus Christ. He says, you only speak to the rock. Well, he, he did speak to the rock, but he also hit the rock and he was not supposed to do so. Again, he made, he made a wrong decision. And you say, well, that's, that's, you know, okay, so he made a mistake. Yeah, but it cost him the promised land. He never saw the promised land thereafter because of that bad decision. Um, anytime things change or things pressurize, uh, all of a sudden uh, you're inundated with questions. I, I've probably gotten more questions. Uh, in fact, I, I know I've never been asked this before, um, before, before March. Uh, Pastor, should I come to church? Pastor, I got this situation, I got that situation, and, and somebody's telling me this, and somebody else is telling me that, what should I do? Um, those things can really throw us for a tailspin. I'll be real honest with you. It is, it is throwing me for a tailspin several times. But I'm constantly pushed back to the Word of God, and I'm constantly pushed back to biblical methods that we need to have for making decisions. And, and many people today are suffering because they, they made a wrong decision in a, in a particular area. They made a wrong decision uh, concerning their friends or concerning a job or marriage or uh, uh, education, uh, where they lived, uh, service for God. Uh, and and those, those decisions that we make have consequences. And that's why it's so important to make sure that our decisions are wise. Many decisions by saved people today, many decisions are made by emotion. In other words, I feel this way, so therefore, uh, I think the most <laughs> dangerous piece of advice, and it's out in the world, and unfortunately, a lot of saved people have kind of grabbed onto it, and it's the advice that says, well, if you don't know what to do, just follow your heart. Well, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You really want to even follow that guy across the street? <laughs> I don't think so. So, so uh, you know, it, we, we, we need to be cautious and we need to be careful when it comes to, to decisions. And uh, we, we make a lot of them through emotion rather than uh, uh, thinking it through and looking for godly wisdom on the thing. So we're gonna, let's take a look at some things that are involved in, in making wise and godly decisions. First of all, go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. 
And this is a verse that many of you know, Proverbs 3, verses, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. So trust God. Don't trust your own understanding because many times your understanding is faulty. Go with me to Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28. And look down in verse 26. 2826 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Don't trust your own heart. Uh, be careful. Be careful of, of the. And I, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't happen and it doesn't work, but if this is all you've got to go on, I would be extremely careful of it. Be careful of, well, God just gave me peace about it. Well, you know, you might have just eaten too much pizza the night before and just been real settled and satisfied. Who knows? Uh, but uh, uh, just be careful and make sure that when you're making a decision, you're making it in the wisdom and you're making it in the understanding of the Lord. We have an old nature and we have a new nature. Now, if, you're, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you not only have the old nature, but you have the new nature as well. And, it, and, and uh, uh, our understanding, our natural understanding, which is what this verse is talking about, our natural understanding is linked to our old nature. And, uh, you know, my, my old understanding when I got saved, before I got saved, my old understanding said, well, you got to be a good person to go to heaven. And so you got to make sure you keep the rules and regs. And when you die, it'll, uh, it'll all be determined on, on uh, whether or not you were good. Well, I found out that my understanding was absolutely, totally wrong. My teaching was absolutely, totally wrong that I had received over the years. And the Bible had something opposite of that. So you, you, you trust in your own understanding and it can, it can lead to your eternal, your eternal damnation uh, if you don't repent and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, the, the Bible says there is, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. So that's, that's uh, not uh, how, how, uh, how heaven is attained. Um, one of the things, too, I think we need to remember We've got, we've, we've kind of got an unusual congregation right now. I was thinking about it the other day. Um, we've got, we've got older folks that were predominantly and primarily educated in public school system. And we have younger folks that are just the opposite. They either went to Christian school or they went to, uh, you know, they're doing homeschool or, or whatever. Uh, and they, they've been educated, I mean, right from day one with a, a Bible background. By the way, don't ever take that for granted, young people. Thank God that you, that you have that. I mean, thank the Lord for that. We got some adults now that uh, are that way. And, uh, but, but one of the things that, that uh, and I think this is true of all of us to some extent, um, 
we have more secular thinking. We have more worldly understanding and wisdom tucked into our, our heads and hearts than what we realize. And, you know, I went, I went to New York State Public School. I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking it through um, yesterday. And uh, from 1956 to 1970, because in 1970, in 69 and 70, I went to Monroe Community College. So from 19, in 1956 to 1970, which would be a total of, what, 13, 14 years, I, I spent those years in a secular public school. Now, praise the Lord, I got saved. Praise the Lord, I've got a Bible. Praise the Lord, I've, I've uh, been taught differently about some things. But some of that stuff is still stuck down in there, okay? And that's just called your own understanding, uh, and, and we need to be, be careful, and we need to be wary of it. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 says this, says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, we need to bring God into the process of, of making decisions and put him at the top of the list. Uh, th that word... Uh, that word acknowledge means to uh, put in high regard. And when it comes to God, it ought to be the highest regard. Not just, uh, you know, are we doing what the Bible says, but are we doing what I know in my life is going to please my God? And that ought to be at the very, at the very top of the list. Um, James chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, if you're in the middle of a decision and you have no clue what you're, what you're going to do, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you, if you don't know what to do, cry out to God. God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the understanding. Now, he might not give it to you right away, but he will give you what you need in order to make a right and proper decision. The Bible reveals God's will. The Bible reveals God's mind and God's ways. And again, naturally, our ways are not his ways and his ways are not our ways. And so we have to go into the Bible. We have to, we have to think like God thinks. Uh, uh, years ago, I, I was, uh, there, there was a, a program for teenagers that was called Conscious Christian Living. And, and the whole idea of the program, it was very, very intense and very serious. And I, I tried to, to, to do it and, and did some of it for, for some time. But, but really, all it simply did was this. Try to make you conscious, conscious 24 hours a day of the fact that, that you need to acknowledge God in your life. And, and uh, acknowledge him for every decision and everything that comes across your path. Because, because God knows what's best. And in the Bible, he reveals to us what his will is. Uh, Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes it feels like, you know, and, and, and as far as circumstances and situations go, the lights are out. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, we, we, we have just been in the last, you know, nine months, we have been down a road that none of us have ever been down before like this. 
And uh, it, it, it's not just this, these, these last eight or nine months. The truth of the matter is, some of you folks have been some places and been down some roads that I've never been down. And I've been down some roads and been some places that you've never been down. And you could say that about every person in this room. Well, uh, I'm convinced that God does that on purpose. Uh, he puts us in those situations so that we can't figure it out on our own. And uh, if we don't cry out to him, <laughs> we're going to make a mess of things. And uh, it, it's uh, important to, to go to the Word of God and to look for wisdom. Uh, we ought to make decisions uh, based on Bible principles. Uh, what Scripture and how did the Scripture lead you and guide you into a decision? Uh, Brother Larry Ingalls uh, has a question that he asks uh, young men and young ladies when they make a a uh, serious decision in their life. And, I, and I've heard him do it. He's, he's, he's asked me the, these questions. And he, he just simply says this. He says, okay, well, what Bible verse did God give you to uh, lead you in that direction? Good question. Good question. And, you know, and make sure you're not, you know, you're not twisting the scripture for your own advantage. But oftentimes that that element is really missing in our decision-making process. The scripture needs to have a part in it, and our desire toward God needs to have a part in it. Uh, there's, there's much human reasoning and rationalization that's used by believers rather than just simply trusting and acknowledging God in all things. So that's at the top of the list. Number one, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Number two, go to 1 John chapter 1. First John 1. Every time I read 1 John 1, the, the chapter, it's not a very long chapter. <clears throat> you can easily read it in a sitting. You can, actually, you can read the whole book in a sitting. But... Uh, John chapter 1, there is an excitement there right from the get-go that you pick up. And it's the Apostle John talking about the fact that he's seen Christ with his eyes and he's touched him with his hands and he's, he's had fellowship with him and now he's ascended but he still has fellowship with him. And there's just a, an excitement that you, that you pick up about, about the Apostle's relationship that he has with the Lord. And uh, you, you pick that up in verses 5 through 10. Look at me in verse 5. It says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
The second thing that's important for us to grab a hold of is the fact that God wants us, when it comes to making decisions, to be walking in fellowship with Him. Walking in fellowship. There, there's no wisdom when we walk in darkness. If you're not walking with Him, you're walking alone. If you're not walking with Him, you're not walking in truth. If you're not walking with Him, the Bible says we're walking in darkness. And that's possible for a saved person. Uh, now, obviously, all, law, all, all people that have not trusted Christ as Savior, none of them are walking in light yet until they trust the Lord as their personal Savior. But, uh, but it's possible for us to you know, go out and pull the Lone Ranger stuff as, as Christians and just walk on our own. And God doesn't give us wisdom. God doesn't give us light when we do that. When, you know, we talked a moment ago about Abraham when he decided to go down to Egypt. If, if, you, if you look at the scripture, when he decided to go to Egypt from that point until he finally returned back to where he was supposed to be, there was no word from God. But when he finally went back to where he was supposed to be, even though they were in a famine, God began to speak to him again. But he didn't speak to him. He didn't say one single word to him down in Egypt. Why? Well, because he wasn't walking in fellowship with God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4 says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. I don't know about you, but that's a terrifying verse to me. Because that means that when I slide back from the Lord, when, when my fellowship isn't what it ought to be with him, then I'm filled with myself instead of him. Well, I know what myself is, and I know what myself will do. And, and it's destructive. And, and it's so important for us to maintain fellowship with God on a day-by-day on a -day basis. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're harboring sin in your heart and you refuse to repent, God will withhold wisdom for decisions. Don't, you know, go to make a decision and think God's going to give you wisdom when there's an issue between you and God in your life. He's not going to do it. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and I've watched, again, I've, I've seen this. I've seen it before COVID. I've seen it since COVID. Uh, folk, folks think, think they can play with, with uh, trusting themselves. They think that they can play with uh, fearing other things more than they fear God. Uh, you, you find them not trusting the Lord. And those are all issues. I mean, those are huge, huge issues. And then we come to God and we say, God, give me wisdom. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Or we're playing with a sin in our life. And we come to God and we say, God, I need wisdom for this decision. God's going to withhold that wisdom because we're not walking in the light as he is in the light. Um, Making important decisions out of fellowship with God means that your, that your decision maker is severely broken. It means that, means that uh, uh, you are not going to make decisions that are going to please God in, in any way, shape, manner, or form. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to, to uh, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. In Proverbs 28... Down in verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, 
But, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway, and he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Well, hardening our hearts are just, it's just saying, no, I'm not going to handle this thing. No, I'm not going to address this thing. No, I'm not going to resolve that situation or that issue between me and God or between me and me, me and other folks. Uh, and, and the result of that kind of a hardness of heart is mischief. Mischief means harm and hurt and, and injury. It's not answers. It's not wisdom. It's not understanding. And uh, in order to get understanding from God, in order to get the wisdom from God, we've got to be walking in fellowship with Him. Another thing we need to do, go to Psalm 37. And I, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was real, real early in my Christian life that one of the one of the earliest promises that I can remember hearing preached and grabbing a hold of it and getting excited about it and look it up, looking it up in my own Bible and uh, uh, reading it, reading the context around it was uh, Psalm 37 and verse 4. And ver Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Uh, it, it's, it, this, is, this is even an added dimension to fellowshipping with God. Not just walking with God, but actually delighting in God. Delighting in the Lord. Uh, when, we, when we delight in, in the Lord, He is our life. You know, uh, Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. I mean, that's how close he was to the Savior. And, and he said, he said, you know, my life is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not a tack on to the Apostle Paul. It wasn't something that he just attached to everything else that he did so he looked more Christian in, in, his, in his appearance and in his decisions. No, his life was Jesus Christ. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10. Love this, this verse of Scripture. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. It has helped, it has helped me immensely in my personal walk with, with the Lord. It says, and now, and now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now what he says there is he, he says you fear the Lord so that you can walk in all his ways. You love the Lord so you can serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know I can remember after I got saved, right after I got saved I currently had an unsaved girlfriend. And uh, I used to, when I would, uh, in the very beginning of the relationship, I would write with all my love. And then I started reading my Bible. I said, whoa, that's unscriptural. <laughs> all my heart should not be going to this gal. All my heart should be going to God first. Now, that doesn't mean I can't love her. 
But all my heart? Uh uh. No, no, no. That's, that's reserved for God. And, and if you notice, the two things that are there is fear the Lord and love the Lord. I was reflecting uh, this week on, uh, on the relationship that I had with my dad. My dad wasn't a saved man, but, but uh, I had a, particularly later on, I had a really good relationship with him. And um, uh, my entire life, I had an innate fear of my father. I can remember in the 60s going to my dad and uh, saying, Dad, I, I've made a decision. He says, oh, and what have you decided? And I says, I, I, this was, you know, like uh, mid, to, mid to late 60s. The Beatles had, had showed up in America, and everybody was clamoring to, the, to get a Beatles haircut. And, uh, and that's what I wanted. And I told him, I said, I want a Beatles haircut. He says, let me, let me explain something to you. As long as you put your feet under my table, I tell you what kind of a haircut you have. <laughs> and uh, you know what? The discussion was over. I mean, it wasn't going into negotiations, okay? I mean, it was, it was done. You know why? Because I knew better than to talk to my dad any other way. Uh, there was, in fact, even, even in the last days, in the, in the last days that my dad was alive, he lived to be 93 years old, um, my brother and I were talking about a situation. And uh, my, my brother said, well, well, dad just going to have to realize that we just have to do that. Well, my dad physically, uh, he had a lot of we weaknesses, but he could still get up and get around and so forth. But mentally, I mean, right up to the day he died, uh, Jared and I went to Rochester and talked with him, and he was sharp. I mean, he could hold a, he could hold a conversation, 93 years old, um, and he could hold a, a good conversation. And my, my brother was saying, we need, to, we need to make Dad do this. I says, oh, stop right there. I says, Dad's a big boy. I said, I ain't making him do anything. He is my father. And that's the only time my brother ever hung up on me on the phone. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, you know, it, it, I had that fear, okay? But you know what? I also had love. And, and you look at that and you say, man, those two seem like they cancel each other out. No, they don't. Fearing God and loving God doesn't cancel each other out. That makes the love stronger. If it's the right kind of fear and the right kind of love, Man, that thing is, is, is unbeatable. And what will happen is, is you'll serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And, and that's what delighting in God is. When you delight in God, you have an intense desire to please Him. Well, when you're up against this, whatever this decision might be, or decisions, whether they be big or small, your number one desire ought to be, what would please the Lord? Not what do I want, not what do I desire, not what do I think would be best for the family, but number one, not that those things aren't, aren't a part of the decision, I'm not saying that at all, but the number one thing in the decision is would it please God? And you know, uh, you, can, you can even make a good, a good decision that is not the best decision. And if it's only good and it's not the best, 
What is it that God wants for you? Well, he wants the best. So does good please God? No. No. And it's, 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 our, it's our responsibility to find out what it is that pleases him. But we have to, we have to delight in him first. And if you're not delighting in him, you're, you're never going to figure that out. Uh, delight, delighting in God is something that we ought to do more than in any other person or more than any other thing. And if, if, this, if this is off in your heart, then your decision-making process will be off because your first and foremost goal ought to be to please the Lord. And then fourthly, fourth thing that we ought to consider when it comes to making decisions. Take, take, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Go to Hebrews 10 and then go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hebrews 10 and then 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look with me in 2 Timothy first. 2 Timothy 3.16, we've been discussing this on Wednesday nights when it comes to Bible study. In verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It says the word of God is given for doctrine and then for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. In other words, uh, God tells you first what is the facts, what is right, what is true, and then you make the rest of your decisions and the practical stuff comes into line based upon that. Well, the, 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 fourth, the fourth thing that needs to be considered when making, making right decisions and being able to make right decisions is that no godly wise decision will cause you to ever disobey God's word, period. It just won't. It won't do it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, look down at verse 25. This is an example. Not forsaking the assembling of, of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And of course, this, this would apply to, to COVID. This would apply to a whole bunch of things, but it just has to do with when the church doors are open, be there. It's just that simple. Why? Because we're a family, and uh, we're 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 a body uh, that works together. And when some of the body is missing, then the whole body does not function as it should. I, I understand when you get saved, you're part of the body of Christ, but but the the uh, uh, local church is a picture of that body. And, and uh, that's why it's so important for us to exhort one another is so much the more as, as you see the day approaching. If there's, a, if there's a, a, a decision that you make that is going to prohibit that, then there's something wrong. My kids went into to Bible college with the, with the thinking, they went, they went into life with the thinking that Let's see, I, I, I can only take jobs that will let me go to church on Sunday morning, let me go to church on Sunday night, 
and let me go to church on Wednesday. And if there's a job that won't, won't, will prohibit that, then I guess that job's not for me. And that was their thinking. They went to Bible college and went to, and I'm not saying this, be, I, I, actually, I think just about all, our, all of, when I say my kids, not just my natural born kids, but the kids from this church, when they, any of them have gone to Bible college, as far as I know, okay, they didn't skip services for work. They just didn't do it. Now, they, they went to school with guys that were training for the ministry that did. I, I know that for a fact. Uh, and they thought that was okay. Well, you can't do it on Sunday, but you can do it on, it, it, when they went to Fairhaven, it was Thursday night. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they said, uh, well, we, you, we can do it for that. <laughs> no, that's a biblical principle that we're going to live by. Um, your, your, um, uh, no, no, no godly decision will, will violate the word of God. Here's another one. Go to Second. Corinthians chapter 6. <laughs> and I, I, I've, had the, I've had someone come to me years ago with this very, with this very issue. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? In other words, uh, you take that uh, particularly into uh, marriage partners. Don't even date uh, a, a single single Christian. Shouldn't even date a lost person. Uh, why? Well, because uh, every, my, my wife was used to say every date's a possible mate. Uh, it, that violates. You say, oh, that's awful strict. No, it's letting the Bible make your decisions for you. And, and, and any time we violate Scripture uh, to make a decision, there is a problem. Uh, don't marry an unsaved person. Uh, you know, why? Well, because the Bible says that we shouldn't do it. Uh, go, go to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. You know, these are just, these are examples of, there are, there are hundreds of them, probably thousands of them in Scripture, of things that we should and should not do. Uh, you know, uh, I, I get a kick out of, out of our son Jonathan. He he's, finds himself a lot out in the lost world and dealing with lost people. And, and uh, he'll, have, he'll have somebody come up to him and say, um, say uh, uh, you ever go to the bars? No. And uh, he'll say, uh, well, there's nothing wrong with a little drink every now and then. And he'll just look at him and say, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Well, that pretty much, you know, <laughs> kind of settles the issue, don't it? <laughs> I mean, and, and he, he didn't do that because I told him that that's the verse to you. No, he found the verse in the Bible and he just started, and then that's his answer. I tell you what, shuts him up every time. But what he's saying is, he's saying, I don't care if you're talking social or not social or what you're talking. I know what the Bible says. It says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and I don't want to be deceived. So, no, <laughs> I am not even going to take a sip of beer. I'm not even going to take a sip of wine. I'm just not going to mess with that stuff. 
Um, and, and, and therefore, his, his decision-making in that area is saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because of what the Bible says. I'm not going to violate Scripture. Romans 16, look down at verse 17. It says, um, now, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Now, that's a little bit easier to do when they're lost people pushing false doctrine. What happens when they're saved people? And they're, they're contentious, and they're uh, causing division and causing strife, and they're your friends. What do you do then? Well, the Bible's still true. You follow it. Here's, here's another one. Look down at verse 19. It says, for your obedience has come abroad unto, uh, unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Back uh, when we were in Green Bay, it was so oh, within the first five years of starting the church, we, we, had a, we joined in on a community campaign against... Um, pornographic bookstores and uh, so-called adult bookstores or the pornographic bookstores. Uh, and uh, we had a meeting one night at church and there were saved people and lost people in there. And one of the, one of the lost Roman Catholic guys raised his hand and said, listen, I think what we need to do is we need to put a committee together and uh, we need to find out what we're up against. So what we need to do is put a committee together and let's, we're going to all go to the such and such a bookstore down on Broadway. And uh, I don't remember who was heading up that, that particular meeting. It was me or it was preacher or what it was. But uh, it was put to a screeching halt. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what you, you don't have to look at the garbage to know that it's wrong. Uh, and, and this is the verse that we used for that thing, was that we ought to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. Why is that so important? Because once you see it, it's there. You know, once you learn it, it's there. So you, you, you see that stuff, you just avoid it. And you've heard the, the illustration, uh, people that that go uh, and, and uh, try to detect counterfeit money. They don't look at counterfeit money. They look at the real thing and they study it and they study every detail of it. And as soon as the counterfeit piece shows up, they see it immediately. They see it immediately. So disobedience to God's word uh, never results in the blessings of God. So when it comes to decisions, make sure that every, every iota of that decision uh, lines up with the Word of God. Don't make your own plans independent of the Lord and then ask Him to bless them. And we do that. Well, I got this, this great idea. Now, God, will you bless this great idea? Well, if you got it from Him, maybe you will. But if you didn't get it from Him, He's not going to bless it. Um, you know, just be careful with those things. The, 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 there ought to be an order when it comes to making decisions for God. And uh, the order is, is really simple. You find out the facts first, and not only the facts 
concerning the decision, but the facts concerning the word of God and God's mind on the thing. Then the second thing is faith. You have to believe that what God would have you to do is right. It may, it may not even make sense. At the, and, and again, you know, to, that business with a pornographic bookstore, to a lost man, it makes all sense in the world. Hey, man, you got to know what you're up against. You know, no, I, I already know what I'm up against. The world, the flesh, and the devil. <laughs> you know, it's a mess. Uh, I don't need to go in there to see it. But from, again, from human reasoning standpoint, and that's not what's involved when it comes to making godly decisions. What's involved is faith and just believing God. So the, the facts are first, the faith is second, and then the feelings. But what happens a lot of times is our feelings go to the front of the line and and we make decisions unbiblically according to the book of jeremiah it says that it's not in man to to order his steps and order his ways we are totally dependent upon god because there is a way which seemeth right unto a man and the end thereof are the ways of death let's bow our heads for prayer father we ask your blessings upon the things that we have heard from your word this morning. And God, the, the, this, this business of making decisions is so, so important. I have watched uh, safe people make seemingly small decisions that have turned their whole life upside down. And uh, sometimes that turn in their life upside down was right and good. And it was used for your glory. And sometimes turning it upside down was not because it wasn't your will. Lord, give us discernment and help us to follow these principles in order to get the discernment and the wisdom that we need. Bottom line is we desperately need you. And we ought to delight in you. And we ought to, to glory in the walk that we can have with our Savior. And we ought to never, ever want to do anything that would violate Scripture. Father, I pray that you might deal with, with our hearts this morning. And there might be someone within the sound of my voice this morning that uh, thinks the way that I used to think before I got saved. That, uh, you know, uh, a lot of it has to do with just how good of a person you are. Well, the truth of the matter is the Bible says that it has nothing to do with how good of a person we are. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves at all. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, Father, I pray that uh, you might work in, in a heart that, that might be lost without you, and that they might see that they need to turn from their sin and trust you as Savior. God bless this invitation. Work, work in the hearts of those that are saved. Uh, if there's something in their life that's contrary to what we looked at this morning, I pray that they, maybe they're just struggling with, with some decision. Uh, maybe what, what just needs to be done is for their heart to be put on the altar about the thing and say, God, whichever way that you want, and whatever pleases you, whatever, whatever makes you happy, that'll make me happy. God, just have your will and have your way and work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand.